following sermon is from Grace City Church, located in DY, Sydney, Australia. If you'd like to know more about us, head to gracecitychurch.net. So this morning and next week, um, it's really a two kind of part um, series. Is that you, Jordan, clapping like that? You look like you're being mischievous, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's written all over your face. You're the kind of person that I want to talk about this morning, and you'll, you'll see why, because in a good way, Jordan, in a good way, not in a bad way, in a good way. So I want to have a look this morning, I want to start broadly uh, at what I feel God's been putting on my heart, and then next week we're going to kind of narrow it down, get into more detail of what that means um, for us as a church. So... <clears throat> It's not hard, really, to uh, kind of think, we're thinking vision, well, what do we need to do? Uh, what, what should we be doing as a church? And we don't really have to look very far or try uh, to be very clever to come up with something, because actually it's, it's all in here. You know, this, it's right here. It's in the Bible. Uh, we don't need to kind of hunt around for something that's, uh, that's out of the ordinary, because this tells us quite clearly uh, where we're meant to be going, and it's a picture for us of how we should be living. The key word that I felt God put on my heart, really, uh, is the word adventure, the word adventure, and that's really what I, what I want to frame everything in over this week and next week is adventure. We were singing uh, in that, that great song uh, at the beginning, um, the, one of the first two songs, was saying that it changes from black and white to color. And that's what God does in our lives. He changes things from black and white to color. And adventure really is about changing things from black and white to color. It's what God actually has for us right from the beginning. His purpose and plan for us is to live in color, is to live in adventure, not to live in black and white, not to live in a dull and boring life. Actually, he's got amazing life for us. That word life, just in and of itself, uh, is what God has for us. It's an amazing thing. It means so much, life. You know, when uh, women give birth and there's new life, it's an amazing thing. There's so much contained in that. And that's what God has for us. He has life for us. He has color for us. And I believe that he wants to call us afresh to the adventure in faith that he has for each of us and for us as a church. And for some of us, that may be a new call uh, to come to know God, to begin this adventure. Maybe you don't even know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning. Well, God actually wants to call you this morning into this adventure that I'm going to be talking about. He wants to uh, invite you in. He's done everything to make a way open for you to come into real life into real life, into an adventure that he has for you, into color rather than the black and white that you've been sitting in. He's got so much for you. For other, others of us, maybe it's dusting off uh, the call to adventure that perhaps we've kind of parked on the shelf. You know, we can do that and seasons of our life, we can actually do that. We can, we can just let life, it kind of grinds us down uh, or maybe we just get caught up in other things and we can just park, you know, all the things that God has for us on the shelf. Doesn't mean we're not a Christian. God's still our Father. He's so good. He loves us. Doesn't change any of that. But we can park things, really, uh, on the shelf. And I believe this morning God wants us to dust those things off again. He wants to call us 
back to the excitement of adventure that he has for us. And this Bible uh, is a book that is full of adventures. It's absolutely jam-packed from beginning to end of adventures, whether it's the Old Testament, the New Testament, whichever part of the Bible we are looking at. Right across it, we see adventure. We can look at people like Abraham. So Abraham, uh, in the Old Testament, God calls him and God says this to him, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. It's an amazing call. It's a call to an adventure for Abraham to head off into who knows where. He doesn't know what's going to happen next. He doesn't know how it's going to pan out. He, he doesn't know whether it's going to be easy, difficult. Uh, and actually, it is all those things. It's, it's wonderful prosperity that he receives, but it's incredible difficult times that he has, challenges. He's got a challenge of faith and believing to have a son in his old age. God gives him a son. Then, you know, God challenges him with how important is the son. Maybe you're going to take that son away from him. There's so many challenges. But God calls him to this adventure. We can look at Moses. And God again says to Moses, he says, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Again, it's a call to an incredible adventure that Moses is embarking upon. He started his life in comfort in the palace, uh, you know, living a life, but really it was a life that was black and white. It was dull. And then God calls him out into amazing color, into amazing adventure uh, as he leads the people of God um, out of Egypt dealing with the Pharaoh, all the, the plagues that God sends, amazing miracles that he sees. And then heading out, uh, crossing the Red Sea, God parting the sea into the desert, meeting with God on Mount Sinai face to face, that when he comes down, his face is glowing. He has to put a veil over his face because God's presence is so amazing. What an incredible, incredible adventure that is. But then he has to go round and round the desert because the people don't believe, the people don't stand with him in faith. And so he dies uh, actually not entering into that promised land, but seeing it from the mountain. What an amazing, amazing adventure. Well, there We could go on and on with Joseph and Gideon and many other men and women in the Bible that God has called to an adventure. In the New Testament... We see Jesus call his disciples, and he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And that is the call to you and I today from Jesus. The call is, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That is what he is inviting us to be part of. He's asking us to follow him and join him on this adventure that he has. We can look at um, many of the disciples in the New Testament, but if we look at Peter, again, consider the adventure of his life, all the things that he went through. We looked at him a bit on the uh, youth camp last week, which was great. But, you know, here's a guy who starts off as a fisherman, uh, and then Jesus calls him, says, follow me. He changes his name from Simon to Peter. Then we find him uh, seeing the Lord on the water, uh, and he walked, Peter walks out on the water, but then he sinks. Uh, he's the first disciple that declares that Jesus is God. He witnesses Jesus' transfiguration up on the mountain, 
Um, but then he denies Jesus. He denies Jesus three times before Jesus crucified. He says, I don't even know who he is. I've never met him before. I don't know anything about him. He denies him. But then he preaches at Pentecost as the Holy Spirit is poured out and over 3,000 people are saved. It's amazing. He heals a man who hasn't walked from birth. He refuses to stop talking about Jesus, even though they've said you'll be put in prison uh, if you don't stop talking about Jesus. But he continues. He confronts a couple called Ananias and Sapphira who are lying about uh, what they are bringing. And as he confronts them, they drop dead. I mean, it's just amazing. They drop dead. Amongst other healings, he brings a young girl back to life. He does get imprisoned, but then an angel breaks him out of prison. An angel breaks him out of prison. That's pretty awesome. At the end, he's crucified, and the story is that he was crucified upside down because he felt that he couldn't be crucified in the same way the Lord Jesus was crucified. What an incredible life. What an incredible adventure. And this is what God is calling us into, um, no matter who you are. No matter who you are, God is calling you into an, an adventure. He's calling you to know more of Him, to press into Him and enjoy Him in this way. Now, you might think, well, adventure, you know, what is that? I'm not sure about this adventure stuff. Maybe it feels like this to you. You've got your helmet on, but you know that if you go for the good stuff, that's that. Maybe adventure feels like that to you. Well, I don't think that's what God is calling us into. What is interesting is that um, having a look at um, some psychology sites and that and seeing what they say about adventure, uh, they talk about five elements of adventure that we put up on the screen. Five elements of adventure. High endeavor, total commitment, uncertain outcome, tolerance for adversity, and great companionship. It's really five, it's five very interesting things that we see in the Bible. And in those stories I've just been talking about, we see those things. We see high endeavor. It's the ability to think big and think bigger about who you are, how you live, and what you can do in the world. Remember, this is from a non-Christian point of view, but um, it's, it's really helpful. Secondly, that it's total commitment. It's the spirit of willingness to embrace challenge wholeheartedly and move towards success. Thirdly, adventure has an uncertain outcome. A predetermined outcome is not an adventure, but a packaged experience or an amusement ride. It's the acknowledgement that there will be adversity and unease, but that an uncertain outcome is a gift of possibility. I really like that. An uncertain outcome is a gift of possibility. Fourthly, adventure is tolerance for adversity. It's our ability to be resilient in the face of challenge. Fifthly, adventure is great companionship. It takes a team to support living in commitment, joy, generosity, and gratitude. Five key elements of adventure, which are great. And uh, they're really good for us to think about those things. But you can think, well, what does that mean for us, really? How does that relate uh, to us? Well, if we look at the big picture, actually we already know the beginning and the end of our adventure. So if we look at that macro view... The beginning is when we called. When we called by God, God calls us, says, come and follow me. That's the beginning of the adventure. 
The end, although it's not really the end, maybe it's the end of the first stage of the adventure, is when we're going to die and we're going to go to be with Christ forever in heaven. I think it is just the end of the first stage because then uh, we're going to have a continued great adventure forever and ever and ever. So at that kind of macro level, we, we can know, yeah, we know where the adventure begins, where it ends, but what's in the middle? I think in the middle is a whole lot of other adventures that God wants us to have. Our purpose in this middle bit is to be a part of the unfolding gospel story where we walk in step with the Holy Spirit and participate in what God is doing in this world. Now, the northern beaches here where we live, I was thinking about this. I I reckon it's one of the safest places on earth to live, really. You know, there there are no natural disasters. We had a bit of a hailstorm last night, which was which was exciting for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. It was just going horizontal and the hail came down and our roof, our roof leaked, Jamie, sorry to say. But, uh, <laughs> it's not Jamie's fault, but he's been helping us to try and fix it. So it came, you know, that's, that's a bit of a storm. A uh, bit of a storm. But we don't really have big natural disasters. We don't have earthquakes. Uh, we don't have terrible things like that happen. We don't have much crime on the northern beaches. Uh, it's a pretty safe place to live. We don't really have um, much poverty. We have people who are struggling, absolutely, and people who struggle to make ends meet. But it's not the type of poverty that we see in the third world. We're surrounded by beauty um, and a place that has an amazing lifestyle. It's an incredible place to live. We are so, so privileged to be here, to live here. And it's all good, and it's nice, and it's pleasant, and it's comfortable. And it's comfortable, and it's very comfortable. And it is very comfortable. And we cannot let that define us as a church. We cannot let that define us as a church. The way the Northern Beaches is, as wonderful as it is, we cannot let it define us as a church. Those elements, they're great elements in the Northern Beaches that, yeah, we want to take from as well. But those elements of security, those elements of um, safety in that sense of just so laid back and apathetic and complacent, we cannot let those things define us as a church. The church should be one of the most adventurous places on earth. It's got to be. It's got to be because we read this and that's what it is. It's all adventure. And God is about adventure. So the church has got to be one of the most adventurous places on earth. We're God's people. And as such, we should be casting off from safe shores where we rely on our own strength, we rely on our own knowledge, and we need to be stepping out in faith in God on unfamiliar paths. I'm going to play you a video in a moment because, you know, this family of churches that we are part of called New Frontiers, this church, Grace City Church, part of New Frontiers, New Frontiers um, started by Terry Virgo, who has had an amazing adventure and continues to in God. He stepped out, him and many other men and women, on unfamiliar paths, on unfamiliar paths, looking for what God has uh, for the church. And we part of that. And I wanted to play just this video, if it's going to play, of him just saying how things started right at the beginning. See, this is an adventure because we're just not sure. 
I'm amazed at what God does in creation. An acorn, a sapling, a tree, a forest. God can start with such tiny beginnings and produce things that amaze us. Billy Graham came to England in the 50s. My sister got saved, led me to Christ. I became a backslidden Christian, tucked away in a Baptist church in Hove. One of the young preachers one day preached his heart out to the young people. I was changed. I was stuck to the pew, as it were. And I asked the preacher afterwards about that occasion. He said, I, I prayed so much for the young people. I said, did you pray for me? He said, no, no, you were too far gone. Uh, I knew you were a hopeless case. I didn't pray for you. So God saved a hopeless case, and God began a story, which is so good to tell these days. He had mercy on me, helped me to find him in a real way, filled me with the Holy Spirit. And then I was invited to be a pastor of a church, and I said, if I come, I'd like the church to be a spirit-filled church where God is free to do what he wants to do. And people started visiting and saying, hey, can we have a church like this? Can we see something new happen where we live? And I got invited, first of all, to Nigel Ring's home, where a group of people said, tell us about what God's doing with you, tell us about the Holy Spirit, tell us about the gifts of the Spirit. And I started going to Nigel's home regularly, numbers multiplied, so much so that they had to extend the house. And God began to do a wonderful new thing. And actually, that was the beginning of New Frontiers. I never knew that at the time. It was just starting a new church in a house. And a couple moved from there to another town, asked me to do the same, until I was going to several towns around the county starting house churches. A lot of those house churches are now in many hundreds. Uh, most of them meet in warehouses. So that's how we got started. We didn't know it was New Frontiers. We're just helping people to engage with the Holy Spirit. We've become a group of churches on the move together. In fact, there was a very key prophecy John Groves prophesied. He saw a vision of a herd of elephants charging through the undergrowth, making a road where there was no road, and said, hey, there are no well-worn paths before you, but together you can make a path that many will follow. And that seems to be a characteristic of Thanks, who we've been. That's great, isn't it? And that's our roots, really, uh, as a church movement, as a family of churches, that's how we began, really stepping out into an adventure. And God has that call on us as well, as he does for every church, really. But it's great to know that that's where our roots are from. As Terry and say and others stepped out, looking to all that God had for them. We need to be taking risks, chancing failure. We chance failure. We need to dream of possibilities being innovative, innovative sorry, in the way that we move forward as a church. Martin Luther said this. He said, The church should live its life as if Jesus died yesterday, rose from the dead today, and is coming back tomorrow. <clears throat> That's really interesting. Why do you say that? Well, it's about a sense of urgency as well. It's about uh, not the sense that, yeah, well, we've just got time to uh, wait around. God's got... Uh, stuff for us to be doing. It's got adventure for us to be on uh, rather than uh, sitting back um, and not going anywhere. He's got purposes for us. He's got uh, things for us to be doing. And we can be so easily lulled into complacency, 
We get bogged down by everyday life. We all do. It's not like any of us are immune, really. Uh, We all face difficulties, Um, some of us huge difficulties. Uh, There's a couple in the church uh, at the moment. I know many of you are facing difficulties, but um, Peter and Gail Dean, who, you know, leads the the food care, uh, and Peter manages that. Gail leads the, the Monday cafe. They're just facing huge difficulties. Gail has had cancer last year, as you, know, you would know, we were praying for her, uh, and the tumor was removed. She's free from cancer. Praise God, it's amazing. But she's, she's suffering, really, from the after effects, from that vicious treatment that has removed the cancer, but has left her just so weak. And Peter, um, <clears throat> last week, then had a kidney stone, had to have an operation uh, to remove that. Peter's here today, but Gail's in hospital this weekend. So, so difficult. Let's just actually pray for them. There's Peter. If you're next to Pete, just lay your hands on him. Let's just pray for these guys. Lord, I ask you to come, Lord, and bring breakthrough, Lord, in their life, Lord Jesus. We pray for Gail right now in hospital. We pray for healing, Lord. We pray, won't you heal her right now? We declare wholeness. Lord, restoration of her body, we declare it in Jesus' name. We ask you, Lord, to break through. Lord, restore her completely from the ravages of this treatment. We ask you to come and restore her body, bring her back to full health. In Jesus' name we ask. And Pete as well, strengthen him. Lord, be their protection, their God, their guide, we pray. Be with them, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We can be bogged down you know, in life. Life is hard, and we all face difficult things at difficult times. But we, in that, have a choice to make as to how we live. We've got a choice to make. Our choice is, do we prefer to sit back the kind of static life of middle-class respectability? You know, we just sit in that. We just sit back we deal with our difficulties, we, we uh, just, you know, accept them, or maybe things are good and we're enjoying life and we're enjoying the, me- the northern beaches, but we, it's just a static kind of life. Or are we going to engage in the risky, wild, and sometimes erratic undertaking of following Jesus? You see, people like Peter and Gail, that's what they are doing. Even though it's really tough, they're pressing into what God has for them. Peter's retired, but he's running food care. He's not retired at all. He's just started. That's wonderful. He's on an adventure. He's on an absolute adventure for what God is doing in his life. How do you perceive life? Do you perceive it as a threat or as an opportunity? As a threat or as an opportunity? Helen Keller, many of you would know that name. She was deaf and blind Um, yet she had a major impact on women's rights and labor rights in the U.S. And she said this. She said, Security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. It's a daring adventure or nothing. I remember uh, when I was first saved as a young guy, um, hearing someone talk and quote this quote. I don't know, I can't remember where the quote comes from. You would have heard it, and I wrote it in the front of my Bible. This is a new one, so it's not in there. But um, 
the quote was, I'd rather attempt great things for God and fail than be successful and achieve nothing. I'd rather attempt great things and fail. That's what God is calling us to, uh, to, not to failure, but to press in and do great things. But our desire for security, if that is so high, if it is higher than anything else, our desire for security, if it is above everything else, it can actually suck the life out of us. Our security must be in God alone and in nothing else. Our security can't be in the things we have, in, in just uh, how good we are or how bad we are. Our security cannot be in those things. It can't be in our job. It can't be in the achievements that we have. Our security needs to be in God alone. Our identity is as sons and daughters of the living God. That's who we are, sons and daughters of the living God. And this adventure that we called on is not an adventure uh, to climb Mount Everest or you know, do that type of thing, which are all great endeavors, but it's an adventure in faith. It's an adventure of faith. I love this definition of faith from a guy. I like this guy's name. His name is Elton Trueblood. It's a good name. Anyway, he said a really good thing about faith. He said, faith is not belief without proof, but it is trust without reservation. Faith is not belief without proof, but it is trust without reservation. Faith is the exciting venture in which we bet that God really is, that he really is. He is. He is who he says he is, that this world is actually his. That's what faith is. It's, it's us saying, yeah, that, that's what I'm going to bet on. That's what I'm betting on, is that God is who he says he is. That's faith. That's faith. It's trust without reservation. Yeah, I'm trusting God regardless. For me, I, I don't know uh, whether I've got what it takes to successfully lead this church. I mean, I don't really know that. But what I do know is that I trust God completely, that as he has called me to be here now to lead this church, that I can trust him in that, that I can know that it's in his hands. It's wonderful. My whole life, you know, I can look back and I feel like my life has been an adventure. It's been all sorts of incredible adventures as well as traveling the world and that type of adventure. But it's been an amazing adventure in God. It's been difficult times, times of, of uh, really saying, God, is this the right thing? Uh, even in this job at times I felt, is this the right thing? Uh, I was in the corporate world before and um, I'd enjoyed that. And then working for the church, thinking, is, that, is this the right thing, God, over the previous five, six years? Thought, is this the right thing? Found my faith challenged, uh, found it difficult at times. Um, but God has been consistently wonderful and amazing, consistently kept calling me and saying, yeah, this is an adventure. Trust, believe, keep walking with me. Stay plugged in with me. And that's where I want us to be, is in that place of trust where we're saying, God, we rest in you. We're the branches in the vine. 
that's where we are. We plugged right in. Everything that we draw is from the sap coming from the vine. That's, that's where we are. So yeah, it might be difficult. We might struggle, but we are trusting God. We trust that He has a purpose for us, that He is calling us, that He is taking us forward. There are three areas that I feel God has particularly challenged me in and wants us to look at uh, as a church, and we're going to look at these in more detail um, next week. And the three areas of adventure that I believe he wants us to know is presence, mission, and discipleship. Three areas that I believe God wants us to adventure in, presence, mission, and discipleship. I don't think I'd sit on the edge of the cliff like that. Um, Maybe my faith is too small, but um, God wants us to adventure in these things. He wants us actually to be on the edge. He wants us to be trusting Him. You know, when when you're on the edge like that, you've got to trust something that you're not going to come off, off the end. And we need to be trusting God as we venture in these areas that actually... Uh, as, as we go into areas that maybe we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know actually how it's going to pan out. Um, you know, we don't know. Well, actually, we can trust God. You know, Hugh uh, took um, a, a faith step this morning because he, he stood up and he said, I believe that God wants to speak through people this morning and that God has got, uh, you know, words and he, he wants to speak to us through, through, through us. Uh, through different people this morning. That's like being on the edge of the cliff when you're leading a meeting. Because what are you going to be met with? Stony silence. No one brings anything. We fall off the cliff. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> but, you know, if we don't go to the edge of the cliff, then we don't get to trust God and actually look to God. Because if we're standing back from the edge, well, I'm quite comfortable here. You know, I'm all in control rely on myself, my legs can hold me up. But when I'm on the edge of the cliff, then I'm, I'm trusting God because am I going to fall off and plunge or what? I'm, I'm trusting God. Now, it's not certainly just in our meetings that we want to be on the edge. It's our whole lives. God is calling us to an adventure 24-7. Even when we sleep, He's calling us to be impacted by Him. So these three things... Uh, I think are really important for us this year. And I believe that all three really will be evident in every ministry that we do. Every part of church life will have these three things in evidence uh, to a lesser or greater degree. So, for example, the worship team, they serve us wonderfully. Um, They're going to have these three things in evidence uh, as they minister. Now, probably the highest one for them would be God's presence. They're about leading us forward into God's presence. But there's elements of mission in that because their heart also is to see people saved. And through worship, uh, you know, we see people coming to God. They find God in worship. There's discipleship in there as they disciple us through the songs that they bring as they disciple within the team. Connect groups, uh, ministry of great coming together in the middle of the week. Connect groups, they're going to be focused on discipleship. So the highest one, if you like, is going to be discipleship. That's going to be a focus for connect groups this year. We're going to be talking more to the connect group leaders about that. But as well as discipleship, there's mission, 
We want mission to be part of that, and God's presence, we want to be knowing God's presence as part of that. Food care. Again, all three evident within that ministry. But the focus really is on missions. So mission would be uh, the high um, part of it. But there's also definitely presence. God's presence is what it's, it's all about. You go down to the food, ge- food care shop, it's God's love, it's his presence that is changing things. Discipleship, as we, people come to know God, as we disciple them in coming to know God. So all these things will be evident um, in our ministries. To describe them briefly, as I said, we'll look at them more next week. So presence, presence is the adventure in knowing God. It's actually the main thing. It's the one that the other two come out of. Presence um, is where we want to be. It's an adventure of knowing God. Getting to know Him, enjoying His presence is the most exciting, fulfilling, satisfying, and risky thing that we can ever do. We're not, we're not talking about a tame kind of God. Um, who it's just nice to get to know. You know, it's risky to get to know God. It really is. He's the God of all the universe. Um, but he calls us to enjoy forever exploring him. That's what he's calling us to, to be exploring him forever. He wants us to grow in understanding and knowledge of him. He wants us to experience him with our feelings and emotions. He wants us to know the Spirit's physical manifestation amongst us. So presence is so important. Mission, mission, evangelism, outreach, it's certainly a key part of the adventure in faith that God calls us to. It's not an add-on. It's not an add-on program. It's not just for those that are more adventurous. I love this statement. It says, the church doesn't have a missional strategy. It is the missional strategy. It is the missional strategy. You are the church. We don't meet in a church building Um, we meet in an RSL, but this is the church. You are the church, and you are the missional strategy. The church is the missional strategy. It's what we are called to. Jesus' invitation, it contained mission. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The church brings transformation. Wherever we are as the church, we bring transformation. A church that is sitting comfortably within its walls that maybe meets every Sunday but doesn't affect the community around it. I don't think that's a church. It's a club. A church brings transformation. It changes. It brings change. When you're at work, you bring change. When you're at school, you bring change. When you're with your neighbors, you bring change. The church brings transformation. And like any adventure, mission is risky because it requires the followers of Jesus to step into the world in faith to demonstrate his reign through showing love, by serving others, and by declaring the good news. It's risky. You know, Jesus, just before he returned to heaven, you can read in Acts 1, he says this, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why do we need power if we're just going to be in our safe little bubble? Why do we need power? But it's because we call to 
an adventure. We're called to a risky mission adventure. We need the Holy Spirit's power. We all need the Holy Spirit's power. You know that word witness that Jesus uses, you will be my witnesses? Well, the Greek word is martyrion and lies at the root of the English word for martyr. Martyr, witness. I don't know if my witness feels like a martyr. I think I need to think about that some more. It should cause us to stop and think, where's, where's our witness? Does it fit anywhere with martyrdom? I think I'm a million miles removed in many respects. It's a challenge. So it's an adventure of mission. Discipleship, thirdly, should be at the very core of our church. We see Jesus' call to follow me. It's the basic call to discipleship. Discipleship can be a word that I, you know, can be so kind of misused or misunderstood in the church. I think it's really simple because it's that call of follow me. Jesus said, follow me. To be a disciple means a follower or a student or an apprentice. That's what it is. Jesus wants us to be his followers. He wants us to be his apprentices. He wants us to be his students. The goal of discipleship we can see in verses like Ephesians 4, um, 12 to 13. Paul's talking about the gifts uh, given to us of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And he says this. He says they are to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God is calling us to maturity. And that's an adventure. You know, some of us um, are old, but are not necessarily mature. We've aged, but have we matured? Whether we are old or young, we need to continue to grow in maturity. That's part of the adventure. And to me, discipleship is an amazing adventure. Whether you are discipling someone or whether you are being discipled, it's an amazing adventure. I'm going to go over time a little bit. Could you just tell the kids work that would be another five minutes or so? Is that all right? Discipleship, uh, quoting from a guy, Michael Frost, you might have read um, some of his um, articles in the Manny Daily. He says this, Discipleship is not about mere attendance in church meetings. It's not about mere attendance in church meetings. It's about how we develop mature learn, adapt, and relate to God. It's about divesting oneself of allegiance to a religious system or institution and embracing the freedom of having nothing to lose. Embracing the freedom of having nothing to lose. You see, God has the best in mind for you. He wants you to enjoy life in a way that you can't even imagine. And that does not mean that it's going to be happy, wonderful all the time. But even when it's hard, he wants you to know life in a way that I think we can't even imagine. He really does. Whether it's hard, whether it's easy, whether you are rich, whether you are poor, God actually has amazing life for you. Whether you find it really difficult or whether you're on top of the world, God has amazing life for you. But what it requires is us to release control to him. See, discipleship, in many respects, is about letting go of control. 
And that's scary. That is risky. Again, it comes back to security. When our need for security becomes obsessive, we actually remove ourselves from the journey of discipleship. Because freedom generally means, it inevitably means rather, insecurity. Because it's giving control to God. So it's not really insecure because we know that we're secure in God. But, but for us, it can feel like I've got to release this to God. That's, that's freedom. That's when we'll know freedom. When we hold the control, when I am in charge, then I'm not free. When we release control to God, then we know real freedom. And discipleship is about that. God wants us to grow in freedom. He wants us to grow in releasing things to Him. And it's through discipleship as we encourage one another, as we stir one another, as we stand with each other, that those things happen. So those three things, I think, are really important for us this year. Again, lastly, let me just encourage you. Again, you know, we watched the movie Everest. I don't know if you've seen that movie uh, that came out recently about the true story. Um, of guys climbing Everest. Eight of them died. It's a true story. And we watched it. We've got a nice big flat screen TV. So the picture was pretty good. And we had the surround sound going loudly, much too loudly, according to Lynn. But you've you got to have it because you want to get in. You know, the blizzard's going and you've got the sound. It's really, really loud. And, you know, you can feel like you're in there. But you're I was a million miles away. I was lying on my couch, eating a few chips, having a beer, and the sound is blaring. But I was a million miles away from being in the adventure. I was just observing it from the couch. No matter how loud I cranked it up, no matter how good the picture was, I really wasn't there. And we have that choice. Do we sit back on the couch and watch God take others on adventures and we hear secondhand news? Or are we going to step in to the adventure that God has for us? Are we going to say, yes, Lord, I I want it all, really. I want it all, all that you have for me. That's what I want, Lord. For this church, this year, are we going to say, it's risky, God. We don't know what's next. Where are you going to take us? We're going to risk. We're going to step out in faith, knowing that you will take us through. So I'd like to encourage you all to join with me, really, on this adventure. If you could stand. Let's pray. I'll just pray for us. Lord, we thank you that your life that you call us into is not black and white, Lord. It's full of color. It's full of incredible, incredible life, whether it's through hardship or good times, Lord, you call us to an incredible life with you, an adventure, an exploration in you, Lord, that will go on actually for all eternity. We'll never get to the end of who you are, Lord. We can't reach your limits, Lord. We can't exhaust exploring you, Lord. You are so, so far beyond what we could imagine, Lord, what we could expect, Lord, so, so far beyond Lord, and I thank you that you've called us to be part of an adventure with you. And we want to receive that right now, Lord. We say as a church that we want to step into all that you have for us in 2016. 
Lord, we want to know the adventure that you have for us. I want to pray specifically for those of you who may be uh, struggling with this whole area of security. Security, as I said, can just suck the life out of us. If we make security our highest goal, it's going to suck the life out of us. And I just want you, where you are right now, as eyes are closed, I just want you to lift your hands if you feel that, actually, I know I'm, I'm fearful. And, and security has just become a big thing. And I need to be released from that. So no one's looking. You just lift your hand. Lord, I pray for each one of these. Lord, your dearly loved children that you want to release from fear. Won't you do that right now? We come against the fear that is holding them. Lord, I pray you would break that and release that in Jesus' name, that you would bring them into a freedom in you, a security that is in you that allows us to risk an adventure because our security is in you. We ask for that, Lord. Won't you speak that into their hearts, Lord? Bring them afresh to who they are in you, Lord, as your sons and daughters planted on the rock, on a firm foundation. Lord, bring them to that place, Lord, that other things would be diminished and go to the side. And Lord, we also, we, we come against complacency and apathy. We say, Lord, won't you deal with that in our lives? Deal with that in my life, Lord. Lord, we're actually, I'm complacent and sitting on the couch watching life go by. It's okay, actually, just to say to sit on the couch at times. I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do. It's great. But God, don't let us watch life go by, Lord. Keep me from complacency and apathy. Lord, keep us as a church from apathy, I pray. Lord, come Holy Spirit upon us. Won't you sharpen um, our minds, sharpen our hearts, Lord. Be a fire within us that burns so brightly, Lord. A passion, Lord, for you. A passion for the lost. A passion for discipleship. Come, Lord, and burn within us, I pray. Won't you come even now, Holy Spirit, stir our hearts. Fan into flame, Lord, all that you have for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive you, Holy Spirit. We receive what you have for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.